Father in heaven, Lord, as we are about to open the word again this evening, we ask for your presence. We ask for your leading. May you please guide us, O Lord. And I pray that you would speak to us from your word. Give us a double portion of your spirit to help us to understand. And most of all, may Jesus Christ be uplifted now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, we're starting in verse 27. Faith of Moses, part 2. Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. By faith he, speaking of Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. We've already seen when Moses left Egypt for the first time at the age of 40, when he killed the Egyptian soldier and Pharaoh was seeking for his life. But now we've come to the point where God is about to pour the 10 plagues on Egypt. And of course, if you know about the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, that is the 10th plague. But there are a few parts that lead up to this before we get there. And so I want to go back a little bit in time. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 9. This is talking about the burning bush experience when God calls Moses in the wilderness while he's taking care of sheep. He's about 80 years old at this time. Exodus chapter 3 verse 9. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God speaks to Moses, saying that he wants him to be the one that would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And look at Moses' reply in verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? God gives him a reply that it's basically the rest of this chapter in chapter 3. We're not going to read through it for the sake of time. But you know, you see, Moses, he's being humble here. God, who am I that you should choose me? Do you remember I'm a murderer? Do you remember I'm just a shepherd now? I don't know these people anymore. I've been gone for 40 years. He has lots of reasons, and he does begin to give them in the next chapter. But God basically lays out the whole plan and makes it very clear. He's the only one there. But he makes it very clear, Moses, you are the one that I've chosen to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And after God gives this whole grand plan and shares it, it's about 11 verses that he shares it in Exodus chapter 3. God is just speaking for the rest of Exodus 3, but now Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Look at what Moses says. But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And then God responds again for the next eight verses. And he says, Look, here's a rod. Throw it down on the ground. It becomes a serpent. Take it back again. It becomes a rod again. Put your hand into your bosom. Take it out. It becomes all leprous, white as snow. Puts it back in. Takes it out. The leprosy is gone. And then he says, Look, this is ample evidence that I am the one that has sent you. So if they don't believe it, then show them these miracles. That's what God is saying. And they will then believe. Verse 10, 
Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Hath not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. So Moses says, look, God, all right, you you want me to go, uh, and, and they believe me, but God, I can't speak Egyptian anymore. I'm slow of tongue. I haven't learned the language anymore. And God says, don't worry. I'll be with your mouth. I'll give you the gift of tongues. So at this point, Moses has no more excuses, if we could say that. His humility, that's it. That's as far as his humility will take him. Okay, God, they won't believe me. God, are you sure you're the one that sent me? And then God, I can't speak Egyptian. That's it. God has dealt with every single one of these reasons. Now look at what Moses says in reply, verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. You know, that doesn't sound like a statement of faith, does it? Definitely not. God, God God, has given all these reasons. Moses, I'm sending you. And then Moses replies, God, send the man that you want to send. There's no one else. It's just him, Moses, and the sheep. Who else did God want to send except him? He's been talking to him this whole time. Moses, at this point, is not being humble anymore. He is doubting doubting God, doubting himself. And really, when he's doubting himself, he's doubting the God that's behind, who's able to do all these miracles, who's able to give him the gift of tongues to speak the Egyptian language again. Moses' faith has is really weak at this point. He's doubting the power of God. You know, friends, we can get to this point in our humility that it actually turns to doubt where Moses is just reluctant. He's been in Midian for 40 years. He's comfortable. He's happy there. He got married. He has kids. He's settled. And now God says, I want you to go. But God, look, he had made it clear that he was ready to work through Moses. But Moses was still reluctant. What happens? Verse 14. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he, speaking of Aaron, he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. So God says, okay, Moses, now you got to the point where I made it so clear. Now I'm angry. You're not, you're not just humble anymore. You're just doubting me. So he says, I'm going to call Aaron and I'm going to get him to do what you didn't want to do. He's going to be your spokesman. God created this role for Aaron because Moses was reluctant. He made too many excuses. And so, look, God could have given him the gift of tongues. He didn't need Aaron to stand by his side and and go into Pharaoh. 
He wanted to work directly through Moses. And sometimes, friends, we miss out on blessings because we make too many excuses, because we doubt too much how God wants to work through you and me. And you know, friends, if God calls you, He will also qualify the call, meaning He will do it through us. He will be faithful to finish the work that He has begun in each of us. But because of Moses' excuses, and sometimes because of our excuses, God chooses to place this blessing on someone else instead. But now Moses comes to meet Aaron, his brother. And the two of them go and convince the elders of Israel, shows them the rod that becomes a snake. He puts his hand in and takes it out. It's full of leprosy. He puts it back in and takes it out, and it's whole again. And he tells the elders of Israel that God will surely visit them and bring them out soon. So then, the next thing is, Moses has to go in to Pharaoh. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 5, starting in verses 1 and 2. Exodus 5, verses 1 and 2. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. So Moses already knew, because God had told him that Pharaoh would have a hard heart. He would not let the children of Israel go, not until what? He starts pouring out the plagues, and really, until the tenth plague, Pharaoh refuses. But because of this, Pharaoh, he doubles the workload of the children of Israel. He says, you got too much time. And so he says, I'm not going to gather straw for you anymore. You go and do it yourself. And the people of Israel begin to complain. They go to Moses and complain about their situation. And Moses goes and talks to God. God's reply, go talk to the people and encourage them. Verse 9 of Exodus chapter 6. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. So Moses' work was not very easy, and he, he was just at the very beginning. Pharaoh rejected his request. The people who he came to lead out of Egypt did not want to listen to him. His faith had to be placed purely on God. But Moses, he's still doubting. He probably thinks back to 40 years earlier when he killed that Egyptian and the Israelites still did not want him to lead them. So his faith himself has to be strengthened by God and God alone. He can't rely on what he sees. If he relied on what he sees here, he might have just packed up and said, God, I told you they wouldn't listen to me. Pharaoh wouldn't listen to me. The Israelites don't want to listen to me. Let me just go back to Midian and mind my own business. Moses, he still needs to have his faith strengthened. Exodus chapter 6, verse 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of this land. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened to me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me, who am of uncircumcised lips? God says, Go, trust me. 
Even though the children of Israel that are circumcised, that are my people, they don't want to listen to me. Why would Pharaoh even want to listen to me? God says, trust me, Moses. Trust me. You see, the plagues was not just for Pharaoh. Not just for Pharaoh alone. It was also for Moses and for the children of Israel to allow them to build their faith and to begin trusting in God. You know, many times we just see the 10 plagues as from the angle of what? God is just punishing Pharaoh. He's hardening his heart and he's just got to let them go. But it was a double-edged sword. Do you know that? Yes, it was for Pharaoh. But these 10 plagues were also to lead the children of Israel and especially Moses to begin to trust God. I'll show you. Let's go to the first plague. Exodus chapter 7, verse 10. Pardon me, this is not the first plague. This is the, the, the step just before the first plague is poured out. Exodus chapter 7, verse 10 to 12. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So Aaron's rod wins. The snake that it becomes swallows up their rods, and he wins. God is building the faith of Moses bit by bit. He's showing him, Moses, not just Pharaoh, that he's superior. But Pharaoh's heart, still hard. He won't listen at all. So let's go to the first plague. Exodus 7, verse 20 to 23. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river turned to blood. All the fish died in there. It began to stink. But you know what? Verse 22. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them, as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. So Pharaoh, first plague, turning the water into blood, he does not even care. His magicians seemingly are able to turn the water red blood as well. And so his heart is hard. He doesn't even entertain Moses. He doesn't even listen to their request. So God has to move on. Second plague. Exodus chapter 8 and verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. Frogs come up and they cover the whole land. Pharaoh quickly calls them in and says, please get rid of the frogs and I'll let you go. But guess what? Verse 8. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice in the Lord. But as soon as the frogs are gone, guess what? Pharaoh changes his mind. But there's already one step. You see, the, the, the water turning into blood, Pharaoh didn't even care. Now the frogs come up. Pharaoh kind of makes a move, but then he changes his mind after Moses helps him. Let's go to the third plague. Exodus chapter 8, 17 and 18. 
And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast, and the, all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. So finally, the magicians get to this point. They are not able to replicate the plague. Okay? And they call it the finger of God. It's the third plague only. And they stop. They said, this is but the finger of God. We can't, we can't cause lice to come up. Neither can we get rid of it. But guess what? Pharaoh's heart is still hard at this time. There's progress. God has shown the weakness and the fallacy of these so-called magicians. God is building the faith of Moses. It's like the onion, you know. God is peeling off layer by layer. And we got to be patient. Ten plagues. It takes ten plagues for finally Pharaoh to let them go. But we're getting there. First plague, water turned to blood. Pharaoh wouldn't even entertain Moses. The frogs, please get rid of them. After they went, he changed his mind. Third plague, the lice, the magicians could not counteract it or counterfeit it. The fourth plague, Exodus 8, 21. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. Notice, flies come in and swarm everybody. But the land of Goshen where the Israelites are, are separated. There is a separation between children of Israel and the Egyptians. Pharaoh finally says, okay, but then he again changes his mind after the flies are taken away. So we have another step. God is saying, hey, separation between who is mine and who is not. He's building the faith of Moses. Moses is seeing all these things and it's not just repeated over and over again, another plague, I'm going to punish you, but there's a different addition added every single time. The last one, the third plague, magicians couldn't counterfeit it anymore. Fourth plague, it doesn't touch the land of Goshen. Fifth plague, Exodus chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children's of Israel. So guess what? There's a separation again between, again between the cattle of Egypt and the cattle of the Israelite. You see that? So this time, Pharaoh, he just refuses again. But God once again shows what? There's a separation. God is saying to the Israelites, I'm going to take care of you. I don't know if that water that turned to blood affected the Israelites or not, or the frogs. But at least the last two plagues of flies and of the death of this cattle, there was a separation. God is telling the Israelites, I am taking care of you. They are watching just from a distance what is happening to the Egyptians. 
and their faith is slowly growing. This God loves us. He's taking care of us. He's going to do great things for us. Sixth plague, Exodus 9, 8 and 9. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains or blisters upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. And guess what? Pharaoh's heart is still hard, but the Israelites are not affected by the boils. There is yet again separation. Three times now, the last three plagues of the the fourth, fifth, and sixth plague, there has been separation. Separation. Seventh plague, Exodus 9, 23. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were there was no hail so hail is coming down upon all the Egyptians only in the land of Goshen there is no hail the Israelites are not affected by it at all and Pharaoh he has false repentance he says they can go but as soon as the hail is removed or taken away guess what he changes his mind. But the last four plagues, God has been separating between who is his and who is not. He's been separating them and telling the Israelites, I will take care of you. You can trust me. He's been building the faith of Moses as well. You know, God is gracious. He called Moses. And, you know, look, there were still lessons for Moses to learn. He didn't call him because he was perfect now and that he was going to be this great leader transformed all of a sudden from taking care of sheep. Oh, no, friends. He needed Moses to learn to become nobody, to become humble, to not reply back in anger, just to take care of this stubborn animals. He had to learn that as he was going to take care of a bunch of stubborn people for the next 40 years as well. But now he had to build his faith. Help him to see, look, you got to trust me. I know what I'm doing. And so through these plagues, God has been building the faith of Moses as well as he's seeing what's happening. And he's like, oh God, you really are taking care of us. I don't have to do anything. He's realizing maybe at this time, I should have just been the spokesperson and not Aaron. But now let's go to the eighth plague. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up upon the land of Egypt, and eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail hath left. And guess what? Pharaoh has false repentance again. Verse 16, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste, and he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. And as soon as the locusts are removed... Pharaoh changes his mind yet again. Exodus chapter 10, 
verse 21, the ninth plague. Exodus 10, 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. And finally, Pharaoh says to Moses, after the darkness is lifted, that if he says to, if he sees Moses again, that he would kill him. You know, so he asks for it to be removed, and then he changes his mind, and he, then he threatens Moses. If I see you again, you're a dead man. And so Moses says, okay, you don't want to see me again? You won't. But God will still have his way. I don't know about you, but I've always had trouble remembering the 10 plagues. Always. It's always been difficult. Everybody knows the first one and the last one. Water turns to blood, the death of the firstborn, right? Everything in between has always been hard. I still haven't gotten a got a pattern for you and I'm not going to attempt in front of the camera here right now this evening to try and repeat them all to you. But what I do know is this. Throughout the first nine plagues, God has been building the faith of Moses and, and they've becoming more and more extreme to some extent, but he's been showing Moses and the children of Israel, I will take care of you. And then we come to the 10th plague. Moses would not actually tell Pharaoh about this last plague, but he would find out from experience. Why? Because Pharaoh was the one that said, don't come again. If I, you come again, I will kill you. This is where the Passover is instituted. This plague really is the most famous of all the 10 plagues, the death of the firstborn. But I want you to notice, if you go to Exodus 12 and you read all about it, the most description is given to this plague. Why? Because this is the only plague, the only plague that the Israelites have to do something. The first nine plagues, God just rained it upon Egypt, where if you're a land of Goshen, you are fine. I don't think any Israelites ventured into the land of Egypt during the nine plagues, okay? So I don't know if anyone walked in there that they would have light during the ninth plague or there'll be no flies or their cattle will be okay. I don't know about that. And I don't know anyone in their right mind who would have even thought to venture into Egypt if they were an Israelite living in the land of Goshen. But the first nine plagues, God did everything. And He protected the Israelites. They didn't have to do a single thing, but not so with the 10th plague, okay? If you read through Exodus 12 in preparation for the 10th plague and not to be affected by it, they had to do a lot. They had to kill a lamb. It had to be male. It had to be without blemish. And they had to kill it and take the blood and put it on the doorposts, on the sides and the top. So, on top of that, they had to eat the flesh of the lamb that night, make sure none of it was left over till the next day, otherwise they would have to burn it. And they also had to eat unleavened bread as well. The Passover was a long process, okay? It was a long process of getting ready for the 10th plague. And this time, God was not just saying, it's on the land of Egypt, not the land of Goshen. This time, he would pass over the whole land and only those that had the blood on the doorpost would be safe from it. 
This was the only plague I want to re-emphasize that the Israelites actually had to do something, that they had to obey and follow some sort of instructions in order to avoid being affected by this plague. All right? It required faith, not just for Moses, but for all the children of Israel. They needed faith to apply what God had told them to do. And God had built it up enough. They had seen the nine plagues. They had seen God taking care of them. They had seen what had happened and Egypt is now in ruins. There was nothing left. What the hail did not destroy, the locusts came and ate up. There was darkness, the the water turned to blood. It was probably a stinking place because dead frogs, dead animals, locusts everywhere. You know, it was a horrible place to be in at that time. And the Israelites had seen this and Moses had told them there's one more plague. I believe if God had instituted the Passover in the first plague, if he only had one plague, like just one bullet, I believe the children of Israel would not have obeyed. They would not have obeyed because they didn't know who this God was. And as they were seeing what was happening to Egypt, maybe they were a bit afraid, but then they realized, hey, God is fighting for us. Look at what's happening to Egypt. Look at what is not happening to us. There's a separation. God is taking care of us. God, you want us to kill a lamb and put the the, the blood on the doorpost? Sure, I trust you. I won't question why. You see, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And because God was working through Moses and Moses was his spokesperson, he was more than a prophet, the Bible says. God spoke to him face to face. His word became the word of God. And they were willing now to listen to Moses. So there were three things happening there. Trying to help Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. The the reason for these plagues, number one, is because of Pharaoh. Number two, to build the faith of Moses and the faith of the children of Israel. And number three, for building the faith of the children of Israel in Moses as their leader. So now Moses comes and says, you've got to obey all of this or else the angel of death will come. And if you don't have the blood on the doorpost, the firstborn will die. Now, if I was the children of Israel after the nine plagues, sure. But if I were the children of Israel and there were no nine plagues and only one plague, I would have not listened to Moses. Do you see that? So through the plagues, God has been establishing their faith and even Moses' faith. The Word of God had told them to do something that they had never ever done before. To us now as we look back, the Passover is so common. We don't think twice, even though we're not Israelites, even though we don't celebrate Passover today, we don't go kill a lamb and put it on our doorposts. This story is not unfamiliar to us. But to the children of Israel, this was the first time they were doing this. There was no historical context. There was no history book saying Abraham did it and Isaac did it and Jacob did it. No, there was none of that historical context. They probably were not even sure of the symbolic meaning of all of it but yet they believed. Why? Because God had been establishing their faith through the first nine plagues. And because they believed, their faith took hold of the Word of God and God gave them the strength to obey. And not only obey, 
but it was faith that saved the firstborn of every family that stood behind the blood-stained doorposts when the angel of death came that night to look for those that weren't covered by the blood of the Lamb. You know, friends, God is trying to build our faith today as well. When we look at the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, they didn't just make this big jump and just become the hero of faith just like that overnight. But God built their faith. We saw that with the faith of Abraham. And tonight we're seeing it with the faith of Moses. And I believe that God has also been trying to build your faith. Somehow through this pandemic, somehow because of the COVID-19, the whole world is affected. We're living in a situation that we've never been in before. But I have no doubt that somehow through this past six months and even this past year, this past few years, the past six and a half years that I've been in Malaysia, God has been trying to build my faith. And He's been trying to do it with yours as well. And The question is, are we learning lessons from the past? The experiences that we have, can you see God's guiding hand in all of it? I want to repeat to you the first text that we read this evening. Hebrews 11, 27 and 28. By faith, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. That was not the burning bush. That was not the 40 40 years in the wilderness before God called him. This was as he stood there before Pharaoh. He was not afraid of him because God had revealed himself to him already and established his faith. Verse 28, through faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Moses saw the God behind the plagues. Pharaoh, he only saw the plagues and never repented. There's nothing that we can do to bring ourselves into acceptance with God, except we come through faith. Faith in his word, faith in his promises. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that proceeds out of his mouth. And so God, he, he, he'd been building Moses' faith. And it wasn't only the 40 years in this wilderness, but even during that time when the 10 plagues were falling upon Egypt, disaster was coming to this country. Today we see disaster coming to this world. Is God building your faith? Or is your faith getting weaker because you see disaster coming to this world? Friends, now is the time to cling on to God even more. Now is the time to build our faith even more. Now is the time to not look through just the lens of economy, the lenses of finance, the lenses of this world. We need to look through the lenses of God. What is God trying to teach you through this difficult time that the world is facing today. Do you know that lesson? Do you understand what he's trying to do? Do you understand that he's trying to build your faith today?
because there's some greater event in the future that we got to be ready for. And today is a stepping stone to be ready for that in the future. Has God woken you up in this past few months? Or have you gotten deeper into your sin? Have you walked further away from God because of it? I pray that we will be like Moses, that we'll be able to stand one day, not fearing the wrath of any person, not our boss, not our lecturer, not our friends, not a spouse, not our parents, not anybody that might get angry at us because of what we believe, because we have seen Him, God, who is invisible. Have you seen God in these past six months while the world has been in turmoil? Or have all you seen is just your money, your business, thoughts of your studies being delayed, or whatever it might be? Have you just fretted out about all of that? Or has this past six months been a wake-up call to you and saying, God, I need to get ready. I need to build my faith. And even as church is opening tomorrow, things seem to be getting back to normal. Friends, let's continue to build. Let's continue to look for that country which is not of this world, the heavenly Canaan. And let's continue to make strides for it. Let's learn to live by every word of God even when we may not understand the reason why sometimes. Let's just apply the blood of the Lamb to the doorpost of our heart and ask Jesus to come in and be the Lord of our life and protect us, not just for our own safety in this world, but for eternal life in the future as well. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, help us to have the faith of Moses. Help us to have this experience of seeing the one who is invisible. Lord, help us to see Jesus. And I pray that through these experiences that we're having and as we spend time in your word and meditate on it, that we would have a fresh revelation of Jesus, especially on the Sabbath day as well. And so, Lord, please guide us. Help us strengthen our faith. For by that we are saved, Lord, Strengthen it and help us to hold on to you and never let go. Please, Lord, be with those that might be going through some turmoil this evening. Maybe they're suffering because of this pandemic. Help them to see that you have a plan and a reason, that you've not forsaken them. And that, Lord, help them to see that you're still trying to save them. And so, Lord, we just surrender our lives again to you this evening. Please continue to guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.